You are now listening to The Secret Life of a Grad Student. I'm Megan. I'm Laura, and we are two grad students who want to share the untold stories of graduate students past and present. Hi everyone, today I'm interviewing Abigail Miller, who was born and raised Catholic. Today she's finishing her PhD at the University of Cornell and she's telling us all about her faith and science. Yeah, hi, I'm Abigail Miller and I am going into my fifth year as a cell biology and biochemistry PhD student at Cornell University. So this miniseries is about faith and science. So mm-hmm. we're going to start with the faith part. Uh, can you tell us about what is your, uh, your faith? And can you tell me about what it is like to practice your faith? Yeah, so I am Roman Catholic, meaning that I follow the Catholic Church and the Pope in Rome. And practicing my faith uh, is essentially being a good person. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think a big part of my faith is, is trying to be a good person and following Jesus. I think a lot of times people think of Catholicism as being extremely strict and there are, there are aspects of it that are strict, but I think at the root of it is being a good person, being a leader and an advocate for those around you, and also being honest with people around you and to God about you, who you are and your faults. Some of the things that are important in practicing our faith is going to mass every week. So I think that that's kind of what people think of when they think of Catholicism is, you know, going to church once a week. Um, So that's a really big part of my uh, religion as well. Going to church, is it what you will define as strict? You say it can be strict. Is there, what is the, for you, the most strict part of following your faith and your religion? One of the major things that is a a really big part of the religion is going to Mass every week. And so that's on Sundays. Mm -hmm. And so usually I try to go to Mass every week. And if you don't go to Mass every week, it's considered a sin. So Mm -hmm. it's really important to go to church every week and to listen to the Word and to also take part in the Eucharist. There are other aspects of the religion that are called sacraments. Mm-hmm. And these sacraments are, I, I didn't make up this definition. I, I got it from a book that I was reading <laughs> about the faith. Um, but these sacraments are this outward reflection of God's love. And there are multiple sacraments in Catholicism, but one of the major sacraments is the Eucharist. And this is something that we, we celebrate and that we take part in during our Mass. I think that Mass and then also taking part in these sacraments are major ways that we connect to our religion and to God. Okay, so, so going to the Mass for you, you will define that as a, something that helps you to immediately connect you to your religion? Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think taking part in the Eucharist, which is the body and blood of, of Jesus, and actually consuming it, it's showing that you are in unity with the Church and with God, and so we call that communion. Mm-hmm. And so when you're, um, you know, like eight years old, you go into your first communion and you, that's where you actually like receive the body and blood of Jesus for the first time. Taking part in that every week is really important because it's showing that you are in unity with the church 
your unity with God, that you have confessed your sins to God, and that you are ready to take Jesus into you and to be a better person throughout your week. And so it's really important that we as Catholics commune with each other every single week. It's actually been pretty difficult these past few months to like not be able to go to church. Right, yeah, because because of coronavirus. Yeah. And that's like such a big part of our religion. So like not being able to actually go to church and receive the Eucharist is like it's it's like heartbreaking for yeah. uh, for uh, Catholics. Can you watch and follow on TV? Because I know in France yeah. there is like in every Sunday morning on yeah. TV there is the mass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we um, our church here in Ithaca is doing weekly masses online, and this is kind of like a, a interesting story. So um, there's actually a patron saint of <laughs> so so Catholics also have a lot of saints too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People who <laughs> who you look up to that are, you know, very good representations of being a Catholic. And there's actually a patron saint of television, <laughs> which a lot of people have been praying to, and oh. her name is St. Clair. And it's really funny because she's actually my patron saint. So oh. when, <laughs> yeah. so when you, uh, when you, so one of the other sacraments, I know I'm kind of jumping around a lot here, but so when you become a full member of the church, it's called confirmation. And this usually happens when you're when you're older, so like high school aged. And usually you do a lot of studying about the religion and you do a lot of research and you usually pick someone, usually a saint, to think about and pray to to try to help you through this process. And I picked St. Claire uh, of Assisi, and she is actually the patron saint of television. <laughs> And that's not why I picked her. I picked her for, um, you know, her, her story, which is really interesting. And she, the reason why she's a patron saint of television is because when she was really old, she, um, she couldn't make it to mass. So she would, she would stay in her room because she was getting very old and close to death. And she would have visions of mass going on on her wall. Oh. And so they made her the patron saint of television. This is like way before television was a thing. <laughs> so, oh, that's but I just find funny. it so funny. Like this is such an interesting like story and, you know, person. And a lot of people have been praying to her because, you know, we've been watching our masses on television yeah. now. So, so different than what we're used to. Yeah, she has been helping them. Yeah. <laughs> And so I suppose you, you were born a religious, like in a religious family? And yeah. Yeah. C- can you tell us how it, how it was like to grow up in a religious uh, family and community? Yeah. So um, I was born Catholic. My parents, they had me baptized and, and everything. And I would have to say that the biggest influence of Catholicism on our family was my grandmother on my mom's side. So she's very Irish and very Catholic, and um, she's pretty much kind of converted everyone in the family, I would say. So my mom was Catholic, but my dad actually was not Catholic. So he was non-religion. So it was kind of interesting growing up because we would go to church on Sunday, but we really didn't talk a lot about religion like as a family you know mm-hmm. because my dad wasn't very religious we would say prayers and we would sometimes talk about it 
but I would have to say that it's it's been a constant throughout my childhood, but I actually really didn't learn or get more involved in it until I was a teenager in high school. Okay. So there there were it's a, it's a little bit different than I think a lot of traditional Catholic families because there would be more conversation about the religion. And so a lot of it I kind of discovered on my own. So and I've learned from like other people, youth group leaders or other adults in my life. However, my grandma has been someone that I can always talk to about religion. So she was my sponsor during my confirmation. There's usually someone that, that like helps you through your, the process. And she was also a sponsor for my father who recently converted like five uh, or six years ago. Okay, so, so that was my <laughs> final question. Like. <laughs> Oh, yeah, so did my father convert? Yeah. So yeah, my father converted like, yeah, I'd have to say like five or six years ago. And he did the whole, the whole thing. So he was never baptized. So he got baptized. He got his first communion and he got confirmed like all in one day. And it was, it was really cool because when you're baptized, you are like absolved of all your sins. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> he was completely absolved of all his sins. And it was, it was just really cool. It was a really neat experience to be a part of. And there's definitely, you know, we have traditions. Going to church every week is a big tradition. Saying prayers before you eat is, is a tradition in our family, especially you know, when we're all together, just being really thankful and grateful for everyone being together. And I'd have to say that that's a lot of the extent of, of the religion in the family. My parents are also you know, they follow like a lot of the traditional, like conservative views of the church, which is something that I kind of struggle with a little bit because I follow more of the liberal views of the church. (laughs) (laughs) Just because I I feel like I'm, you know, I'm younger and I I have, I'm more, I wouldn't say like open-minded, but I I would say like, I'm more like coming up in this age, you know, where, where people are thinking different things and are, are, are trying to advocate for different things. And what I find is so interesting is that Catholicism in, in its roots is actually very liberal and very um, radical for the time that Jesus was, you know, yeah. on earth. And I think having those conversations with my parents and saying, well, I know the church teaches this thing or, you know, they yeah. say, we should do this thing as a community, but like, remember, like Jesus did this thing, and it's it was radical, and it was very liberal for the time, yeah. and it's actually kind of still maybe a little radical for our time. So I think those conversations with my parents have been really interesting to just kind of like understand each other's ideas because my parents know that I'm more liberal minded about mm-hmm. certain things, especially social things, and there can be some conflict with that, with what the Catholic Church teaches. There's, but that's there's nice. conflicts, but yeah. it is good to, like, talk about. Yeah, exactly. Um, At least you can have a conversation, still yeah. a debate around, which can only be positive to, I mean, feel free at least to express whatever you, you feel and think. Which is yeah. Really good. And um, so how, how did you become interested in science? I guess religion was there. But uh, did, do you remember when you started to pick up on science and did you have any early influences, like maybe your parents are scientists mm-hmm. or maybe teachers that make you give you the bug 
of science. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so um, both my parents are, are engineers. So they were both, you know, really into math, really into technology. And I remember, I think, I think my first fascination with science, this is kind of silly, but my, um, you know, getting ready for school every day, my parents would have like the weather channel on and um, I would like sit there and, and watch the weather channel. And I was just like, this is so cool that, that these people can track the weather and use these satellites to track hurricanes and everything. And I just really wanted to be a meteorologist. I was like, I want to be one of these people on TV, like, you know, like showing like the different weathered patterns. I just thought it was really interesting. I still find it actually really interesting. I don't, you know, I think most people find it boring, but I, I find it really fascinating. Um, so that really, I guess that's like one solid thing that I remember is really catching my attention into science. And I also remember this is, I don't know if they did this um, in your school when you were growing up in France, but our school would do this thing where they would give you like a test and it would tell you like what career path like you should go, you should wow. follow. How old? I was like in middle school. Okay. And so it was like, okay, like if you like to do these types of things, like maybe you should go into economics or maybe you should go into business or something. And I always got like acting or, you know, business, which <laughs> I have no talent for, for acting or singing or anything like that. And I have, I'm like terrified of public speaking and like proposing, you know, my like new ideas. Like I, I absolutely hate that. So the test wasn't very good. So <laughs> I just remember being like, I, okay, I guess that's what I'm doing. And my parents were like, no, it's not what you're doing. You're not going to be an actress. Are you kidding me? I remember they, they really, they, they pushed me more into science and technology. And I remember one time, this kind of stuck with me and it's, it stuck with me throughout, you know, college and graduate school. My mom talked to me and she was like, you know, I, I actually, I was doing really well in a decent amount of my subjects at the time, except for science. Um, science was challenging and, and so was math for me. My mom was like, you know, do you really want to like do something that you're like super good at that you're, you know, that it comes to you like so easily or do you want to do something that's actually like challenging and that like makes you like want to work at it, you know, like yeah. ethic, like <laughs> hardworking parent, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, like, clearly. like speech. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, do you really want to do something that you're like, super good at and I'm like well kind of like, yeah I, I would do. say like you have to be very <laughs> mature to be like yeah I want to work hard <laughs> like no I, I think I would rather like memorize you know historical dates than you know try to figure out different organelles in a cell or something like that you know but I just remember being like that's actually a really good point and I think honestly that's why I'm doing a PhD is because I know it's difficult, it's a challenge, and I have always kind of agreed with her and been like, you know, you're right, like, I need to do something that's challenging, because if I'm not being challenged, like, it's going to be boring. Yeah. Do I need to ask you if your parents were supportive of you going to grad school? It sounds like (laughs) they were pretty happy. They were pretty supportive. I think... There's, there's certain things about 
my parents that they don't completely like understand um, academia since they never, they've never been involved in it. So I think their idea is that I'm probably going to get a PhD and then I'm going to like go into industry and do something similar to what they're doing, Mm -hmm. which is something that, you know, I'm like, well, that might not be the case. I might be doing something different. And I don't, I think that's the thing that they don't understand. Okay. They don't understand or they, they kind of understand it. They don't understand exactly like what it is to be like an academic, you know, Mm -hmm. like a professor. I think that they still would be extremely supportive of it. But I think sometimes since they are a little bit more conservative thinking, they think that, you know, we need to be like doing something more for like a product or more for, you know, a result versus something concrete. Yeah, something concrete. And I, I kind of get that myself too. You know, especially during the pandemic, I was sitting at home and I'm just like, what am I, you know, like contributing right now? Like, I'm not really yeah. contributing much. So, but there is value in learning and there is value in like the ideas behind academia. And that's something that like I've had multiple conversations of, with them about that I don't know that they've completely grasped. Mm-hmm. But they understand the importance. They just, they've never like lived it. So it's, it's very different for them. They would be fine with whatever I do for sure. They're very supportive, but they would be like, so why are you doing a postdoc that pays like 45 to $50,000 a year? Like that's, you are, you are worth way more than that. So yeah. yeah, to that extent, I think that there's miscommunication and like misunderstanding, but I see. For the most part, they're very supportive. And um, regarding now, like more your faith and your science together, Mm -hmm. uh, have you ever felt internal or maybe even external conflict between being religious and being a scientist? Definitely both. I felt um, internal and external conflicts. I wouldn't say that I've ever had like someone come up to me and really like to challenge me to my face. I think people that know me and that work with me know that I'm Catholic, but I don't constantly throw it in their faces. Like I'm not like, Oh, like mm-hmm. this, you know, scripture from the Bible. Like I, I don't, it's not like something that I'm constantly like telling them about. Um, so I think that because I'm more private, which is, you know, something that I'm also working on to try to be more, vocal about my religion, which is why I'm happy I'm doing this podcast with you. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I've never had someone come up to me and be like, so why, why are you Catholic and a scientist? You know, nobody's ever done that. But they've definitely like asked questions. And I think the people that have asked the most questions about it are people closest to me. So mm-hmm. my friends and my loved ones, you know, growing up, I, I remember in school, we would learn about evolution. And that, that's like a big one, you know, for yeah the the conflict between like religion and faith and I remember my teachers were very like set like very sensitive about it they're like I know that some of you in the room are religious and you know we're we're going to be talking about evolution and if you have any concerns like let us know like all of that stuff I just remember thinking like I, I don't really understand why that's a problem. (laughs) You know, like I just never, I never really, I never really thought about it being a problem. And then I like learned about it and I was like, oh, it's because, you know, you know, God made man in like seven days. Right. Like that's Mm -hmm. the issue for me. I kind of just was like, well, 
maybe we don't really know. Like maybe he didn't, maybe he didn't make man in seven in a day. Like maybe it's like different. I didn't really question it. And when I was in college, I was doing an, an REU or like a research experience for undergraduates. And there was a girl that was in my REU who was very religious and also a very, very good scientist. And she knew a lot. So this is, this is kind of about what she explained um, this very, very eloquently. Um, somebody asked her, like straight up, like, how do you explain evolution if you're religious? And she was like, well, that's a really good question. And you have to think about the time and the place that the story was being told. So the story is being told to people that are not as technically advanced as we are, right? People that have no science have, have very, you know, have very little technology and they're being told a story about how God created them. And so as we evolve in our, yeah. <laughs> our own humanity, we are getting more and more closer to like understanding that whole process. And at that time and place, like, God was not ready to tell his people the intricacies of how like a single cell becomes, you know, <laughs> the next cell and, and all of this and how like we evolved from like the last common ancestor and everything. He wanted to tell them a story about the importance of creation and how it's, you know, all of the animals and all of the trees and all of humanity is important and should be respected. Mm. But he didn't, disclose to them all of that information about how it was created mm -hmm. and I think it's actually like really cool because yeah it is pretty elegant to yeah to hear this way yeah and I think, it's, sense. I think it's cool because you know the closer we're getting to understanding it the more intricate it is and it's just yeah. like wow <laughs> this is this was such a like there's no way that he could have explained any of this yeah. to, to any of us. Like we have to figure it out on our own. And I think I believe that God wants us to, like he wants us to like figure this out and he wants us to like better, you know, our societies with science and technology for sure. Um, and so every time like we, we learn something else that's, you know, important in science, I'm just like, Oh, that's, it's just like amazing and it makes me yeah. it actually makes me believe in god a little bit more yeah <laughs> but another this is just another quick little thing that i remember in college i was learning about like the primordial soup the the earth or like what was before there was uh you know life and how you know there's like all these different like chemicals and and things like floating around in this primordial like soup right and how life first came about and what really like freaked me out and like um <laughs> made me go what is that the closest composition that this is what my biochemistry teacher told us the closest composition that you can get to primordial soup is clay and I was just like what because in the bible it says that man or that god made man out of clay and I was just like, what? Oh yeah. This is crazy. Yeah. So anyways, I, I just can feel I thought like that, that was kind of cool. Yeah, give you goosebumps to like, Yeah, I was like, oh, this like is really people. strange. So that like kind of I mean, maybe that was made up, but I I believe that that was pretty that, that was pretty cool. 
moment for me in biochemistry class. <laughs> so that was more like for internal conflict. What about in terms of, we know that, I mean, at least we try to express that throughout our podcast, grad school is difficult and mm -hmm. uh, it can be challenging. And so given the fact that you have also your faith and you have rituals, and so you have your commitment, Outside this PhD, was there any point in your PhD uh, where you were tempted to skip prayers, break a tradition, and why did you decide to or not to break with your faith at that moment? So this is a pretty big question. Um, <laughs> I think there's definitely a lot of conflict with um, graduate school and religion at times. I think it's because of the culture of graduate school. And I don't know how it is at like a lot of universities, but especially like higher academic universities like Cornell, there's a culture of like, you know, your project and your PhD is like, it's supposed to be like the most important thing that you're doing with your time, right? Um, or that's just like how you feel. Yeah. That, that the culture is, is making you feel like you need to be working constantly. And there's that stigma. And, you know, there are certain things that, Um, my religion teaches that if you don't do it, you, you sin, which is bad. Um, and so one of those things is to not go to work on a Sunday. And that's pretty much nearly impossible for me to do because I'm doing a, a PhD. So technically every week since I'm going in and starting cultures for the next day, since I work in yeast, I'm sinning because I'm, I'm going into work and I'm not keeping the holy day sacred. And so, you know, I, I have to do that in order to, to get the work done. I can't lose a whole day of work because I'm, I'm taking Sunday off. But for me, I, I've, I've coped with it by thinking of it more like it's the start of the week. So Sunday, I pretty much always take Sunday off. Like I don't go into lab to do any major experiments. And I start the day by going to church. It's always the first thing that I do. And I spend the day reflecting on the word and, and the lessons that I've learned at church and just reflecting and just getting preparing for the week. And I think of Sunday night as being like, okay, I'm going to go into lab, do this one thing, start my cultures for the next day. And to me, I feel like that's the beginning of the week. Sunday is the beginning of the week. You're preparing yourself for it. So it's not, it's not that bad. And I don't really consider it like really hard work, like I'm not doing experiments. So, but it is definitely challenging when there are other days that you need to observe as religious days. They're called holy days of obligation in Catholicism. It's hard to say like, I have to, <laughs> I have to leave <laughs> to go to mass or I have to, you know, you know, do this thing for church or anything like that. And because that's not really the culture of graduate school so but luckily like I've been able to be have have the flexibility to do that but sometimes it is a little bit difficult because of the nature of the work and luckily my my boss is very respectful of it there's a close colleague of mine is actually Muslim and she does the whole fasting with Ramadan and so he's very respectful of you know the challenges behind that and how She's not going to be working as much, you know, mm -hmm. when she's fasting yeah. because you just don't have the energy to, to, to work as much. And, 
you're not really supposed to be working during yeah, that time. Always, you're supposed yeah. to be re- reflecting and it's, it's like the month of, of penance. It's kind of, it's, it's very different, but um, there's also a, a month of penance in Catholicism. It, I, I'm not trying to like compare the two of them because they're very different, but they're very different practices, but there, there are certain traditions in Catholicism that you can't do during the week and you're especially not supposed to work during holy days of obligation either. I think because of our culture nowadays, it's, it's being more accepted. It's like, okay, you, you can do a little work. It's not that big of a deal, but it's, it's hard when you're like your whole life is supposed to be like graduate school to really bring religion into that. There are some challenges, but luckily I've, I found like a mentor that really understands that. I think that's really important because if your mentor doesn't understand your religious beliefs, like that's not okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so would you say that because we had a, an entire mini series about life balance in grad school, mm-hmm. would you say that thanks to your faith in your religion, it helps you to actually take time off and time to reflect and kind of meditate to give you strength and energy to start a new week? Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, I would say Sunday is my favorite day of the week um, because of that time. I think I've, at the beginning of graduate school, I really struggled with work-life balance and feeling the pressure to always come into lab, to always be constantly working. I think during my second or third year, I was just like, okay, for my mental health and for my you know, just who I am as a person, like I really need to have this time off and I really need to, to have that time to prepare. And I think it's also difficult because I'm kind of going through this transitional period in my life where I'm trying to connect my faith to everything that I do mm-hmm. and realizing that like my religion and my faith isn't, you know, in the middle or the back seat of my life. It's definitely in the front seat of my life. Kind of realizing that as I'm going through graduate school, that like this project, this, this job, this, all of this, it's not, it's not the most important thing in your life. You know, not to talk about it again, but the pandemic has really, really showed that. <laughs> I think to a lot of people, because, you know, you put your life on hold and you're like, what, what's happening now? And you don't have any structure. And um, I definitely think that my religion has helped me through a lot of those, those darker times in graduate school. And especially this past year with everything going on in the world, it's been uh, one of the only constants in my life, which has been really nice. It's been my religion. And then my fiance have, were the two constants in my life through the past uh-huh. few months. Yeah. I think it's definitely helped with a work-life balance, but I'm also trying to to make it a bigger part of my life and to be more involved in it, which is hard when you're being pulled in <laughs> any directions. <laughs> and sometimes I feel I feel a little hypocritical sometimes because I'll be in lab and I will be freaking out about something and getting angry about something and you know, having like a lot of hate in my heart about something or someone. And then I'll like go to church and I'll, I'll probably look like I'm a good, like church going person on the outside, yeah. but on the inside, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like internal conflict. And I think that going to church, like 
that's kind of the point of going to church yeah. is to, to really try to better yourself and to listen to the lessons that are that are being read to you and being taught to you and you know asking for forgiveness of that hate in your heart that's that's built up throughout the week or you know those struggles that you've had throughout the week or the month i do feel like a little hypocritical at times but i think that all in all like the whole point is i'm trying to like do better and be better because when i tell someone that i'm catholic or you know if if you tell anyone that you're in any religion and you're a, a, a bad person like they're not going to want to yeah you know be a part of that religion so you trying to always be a better version of yourself and trying to be a good person to other people and saying that you are a part of this community and this faith is really important. Do you have any closing thoughts regarding this entire interview? Anything that you wanted to add? Faith and science and how you, you live it and how you think about it, if there is anything else you want to add? I would just like to add that thank you for interviewing me. Um, it's really made me think a lot more about faith and science, something that are two big aspects of my life that can coexist very easily for me and for a lot of people. But at the same time, there are always going to be challenges for, for both, especially in science. <laughs> I think one of the big things is just for people to, to know is to be able to practice both and to really to understand that science isn't your life and you should be putting time and effort into both because they can coexist really, really nicely. And so doing this and preparing for this has really like helped me reflect on that too. It's been, it's been nice to like explore what both of those things mean to me because they coexist inside of me, you know, and they're a big part of my life. Thank you for listening Secret Life of a Graduate Student. Next week, I will be interviewing Tyler Westover, a senior scientist at the Idaho National Laboratory who is following the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, better known as Mormon. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.